0: If you're newer to Polaris, we used to in previous years take the first like major Sunday of the year and take most of the Sunday, like half an hour, to just walk through like fireside chat what's going on at Polaris. Um and, and I'm gonna you know what, Mark? I'm gonna throw you an audible up there. Can you bring up the house lights a little bit? I'm feeling relational. <laughs> um I I um yeah, Make Herb a little darker, though. <laughs> um, I used to take, like, half an hour and just walk through, like, the state of Polaris, but I don't want to do that again, um, like, all at once. So we're just going to take, like, five minutes at the beginning of each talk um, this month, or a few talks anyway, and, and talk through some of that stuff. So this morning, I'm going to talk through um, ways to get connected, for those of you that are new, and there's, there's a lot of you, um, just these past few weeks, a, a lot of you, um have said that you're you know checking things out and, and i recognize that you're you're newer so we'll hope you'll come up to me in the, until i get to know you by name, Um, and welcome and love having you. And real quick, uh, brought to my attention, like people come to Polaris in search of, of, from all different backgrounds for all different things, and and some people are of a faith tradition that uses a lot of icons, and and icons are things like crosses that are very important to them, and someone brought to my attention that we don't have a cross on the stage, And, and I would love to say that there is a great reason for that. The truth is, we have a giant manger set up over there, and a giant Christmas tree set up there, so we take our cross in the back. And, um, church tradition says that you don't bring the cross back out until the fourth Sunday of January. I'm totally kidding, we forgot. It's, (laughs) it's, it's sitting right back there and we forgot to, um, so, um, yeah, there's no intentional reason that the cross isn't back out, um, other than the fact that we maybe forgot to bring it back out. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> if if, <clears throat> while we're rolling with the self-deprecating talk, I, um, I know that one of the things as a church that we're not totally, like, awesome at, there's a lot of things, but one of the things is helping people um, know what to do in terms of connection, like, what do I do, uh, I, I think we're really good at helping children get connected with Jesus and know their worth and learn the Bible, Um, I think rocking, you know, youth ministry and uh, love worship time and like to believe that we can help people learn scripture and learn to value it. But I know that one of the things we have ways to go on is like a process like do this, then this, then this, then this. So I'm going to tell you like what we have and then you can kind of decide what maybe you should do next or at least you'll know what we have. Okay. So number one, if you're new to Polaris, I want you to know that we have an app. And a lot of information flows from the app. So if you're a smartphone person, um, we got something for you. If not, you have a computer. Uh, we got a computer thing I'll tell you about in a minute. If you don't have a smartphone or a computer, um, just say hi to me in the lobby, and we'll talk through things verbally um, and cur your pigeons. Um, so... You go to your app store on your tablet or your phone and you search Polaris Christian Church and download the app. That's like step one. Then, if you're brand new to Polaris, you go, you do two things. You go to the connection card on the app. And you can feel free to, like, download it right now if you don't have it. There have been about 270 people download the app. Somebody's got it right there. Downloading, and hijack I see it. Um, um, go to the connection card. Give us your name. Information that kind of puts you in our system. Now, nothing weird happens from that. Doesn't mean that you're forever committed to Polaris, doesn't mean anything except that you're in our system to say, kind of, hey, I want you to know that I'm here. Um, and, and gives us a way to communicate with you if, if something significant happens or, or whatever. So, uh, the other thing that you can do to get more out of the app is to go to those three lines there in the upper right hand corner and you touch that and you go and you make your profile. That also would put you in our system, um, but then gives you some options to um, select what kind of news you would like as we send out specific news. From the app, you go to the calendar, it's going to show you what events are coming up. You go to weekly news, it's going to tell you every uh, Thursday we send out an an email newsletter that's just, I cut it and paste it in the weekly news. Um, Follow takes you to Facebook, tell us would be your way to tell us anything that is going on in your life or in anybody's life, it's kind of like, hey, do you guys know that such and such has such and such going on? The the tell us button goes right to us. Um, If Polaris is one of your causes, you can use the give button to give online. It's totally uh, secure. And um, uh, quite a a few people are beginning to use online giving. Rise and Shine um, is our preschool. And um, if you... Um, I didn't do that announcement at the beginning of the service, did I, Kathy? Anyway, um, Rise and Shine is taking registrations. And if that's, that's our preschool and kindergarten, and if that's relevant to you, then you go to the app, touch Rise and Shine. It'll take you to the registration information, and you'll learn more about everything you need to know about our preschool. But don't hesitate on that because it, it honestly and truthfully it fills up fast. We had about 160 kids this past, this past year, and expect the same uh, sermons are back sermons to listen to if you miss something, sermon notes to take sermon notes with. Opportunities is going to take you to individual things like care ministry if you want to serve, uh, coffee ministry if you want to serve, different things to sign up for, be a children's volunteer, learn more about any given thing. Opportunities is your way to connect with that and then grow is my favorite daily devotional it's called my utmost for his highest and it'll take you there um, every day there's a new little like biblical scriptural thought next slide separate from the app is what's called ccb it's our database everybody that wants one has an online profile that's my fake one that i use to see what normal everyday polaris people would see because i 'm an administrator, my screen doesn 't look like everybody else 's so fake point that that 's what your screen would look like. Hopefully you would put a picture in so that if people are searching the directory, they could see who you are um, you show as much information as you want to show, uh, but then you give us you can give us above and beyond that you, you would go and you would update your profile you would upload a photo you could sign up through the groups thing uh, if you if you search email and groups, you find groups to be a part of like um, a weekly newsletter, like student ministry group, sign up for different um, news things from there. Um, if Polaris is one of your causes, we track giving so that we can do giving statements for your taxes. You can log in to CCB, go over to your give, there on the left, and uh, history of giving and, and get giving statements right away for your taxes so you don't have to wait on us to send them out. Um, calendars in the upper right by the bell. Online giving, talked about that, that's another way to give online if Polaris is one of your causes, and then you can go to people in search names for directory, but you've got to make sure that you have access to your profile and you're in our system. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then email polaris at polarischristian.com and that will help us get you set up with that. It can do a lot of things if you're in a community group you can communicate within your community group and all ki- all kinds of things that this can do we only use a fraction of it so far but if you if if you want to be a part of Polaris and you're not in that database yet I uh, really want to encourage you to take that step because it just helps us get you further connected all right i'm going to move on to scripture now we're doing this thing called the lectionary and we've never done this before but throughout the country throughout the world and throughout the ages uh, churches have this thing called the lectionary, and it's scheduled readings from all over. People read the same scriptures to point to the same topics, and and we're gonna try. It was interesting. My wife and I were at my um, nephew's first communion mass yesterday in Michigan, and they were reading from the lectionary. So I thought, wow, this is like the lectionary in action. Um, So anyway, we're going to do that, and I've asked Sarah Oliver to come up and read. She's going to read to you from the book of Isaiah, which was written 400 years before the coming of Jesus, meant to get the Israelites ready so they would understand the significance of Jesus. She's going to read it, and then we'll break it down in a minute.
1: Listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work seems so useless. I I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks. The one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel says to the one who is despised and rejected by the nations, to the one who is the servant of rulers, Kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will also bow low because of the Lord, the faithful one, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you.
0: Thank you, Sarah. So I want you to leave today with an understanding of what was just read and kind of a strong so what. Why does this really matter for you in your everyday life at work and playgroups and family gatherings and and in your marriage and, and whatever? Um, I, I want to give you, hopefully, a strong so what from that. So let's go back to the original context. That comes from the book of Isaiah, as I said, written 400 years before the time of Jesus. And Isaiah is a very important book because Isaiah was written to a group of people who were under extreme duress. And it was, like, mostly their fault. Okay, so Isaiah... Uh, God called Isaiah, who was a big deal prophet, like the the Israelites as a nation, um, God had originally called them and said, hey, you know what, if you will walk according to my ways, if you'll love each other, if you'll honor your spouses and raise your children well and be kind to each other and forgive and don't take things that don't belong to you and just be upright people and worship only me as God, then I will be your God, you'll be my people and it will go well with you. There'll be peace. That was their deal with God. But the Israelites who who enjoyed the peace that came from living like that eventually kind of got bored. And they did their own thing. And they worshipped other gods. And they did things that these other nations were doing that ranged from just inappropriate to downright just deplorable and nasty and awful. And so God said, okay, I'm going to back up now. You don't want me? I'm going to back up. I'm going to let what happens, happens happen. Ultimately, so that you'll see what life is like apart from me and come running back to me. So God backs up. Other nations march in. They conquer, uh, bust up the, uh, the, the, the nation of, of Israel to the point where, where now the, the, they're, they're conquered people. They're in exile. Uh, they've been plundered and they're being mocked by all the nations. The, the Israelites as a people, as a race, they're God, just a mockery. So their value that was once obvious to all has now been lost. And they're sitting there and they know, man, this is, this is our fault. So God then speaks into their life and he says this. This is from what Sarah read. Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see you and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. So here's what he's basically saying. You who are being mocked, I am telling you that royalty will soon show you respect because you are still valuable because you are mine. So you picture the Israelites who've lost everything and God says, "You know what? I have not lost sight of your value. Even though the nations, even though you yourself have lost sight of what I see in you, I have not lost sight of your value. So the so what of the lectionary reading today is God looks at a people who have lost everything and said, you know what, I still see your value, and one day everybody else is going to as well. Now, in this season of church life, of the lectionary cycle, it's, uh, it's, it's called Epiphany, which means the appearing. And it's a, it's a celebration, it's a focus in on uh, what is the significance of Jesus appearing. Like, what do we learn from his life as he lived and walked among us? What do we learn as we read the Gospels, the biographies and the scriptures of, of Jesus? And, and the premier lesson that is woven not only through Isaiah, but also through the Gospels, is that Jesus never loses sight of the value of a human being. Even after other people have, even after you maybe have written yourself off and your own value off, Jesus never loses sight of your value. So I'm going to read to you from uh, Mark chapter 2. And I mean literally, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, they are peppered with stories just like this. So this is, this is one of many stories of, of like, you know, Jesus showing value. But this is, this, is a, this is a good one. Mark 2. Once again Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, <clears throat> he saw Levi... Son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. So what did Levi do for a living? He was a tax collector. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? It doesn't make sense to them. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, Couple things we need to understand here to really make it relevant to life. The first is the the phrase follow me. Jesus sees Levi, the tax collector, and he says, Follow me. Now, if we look at that in our modern day context, it sounds like Jesus is saying, Hey, why don't you walk with me? I'm headed over, you know, to wherever. Why don't you come on with me? Like, why don't you be with me? But in the ancient context there were rabbis, and rabbis were the best of the best of the best. They had the, the, the best in religious school, the most respected for their teachings of scripture, they were spiritual elite. And if they looked at somebody and thought that they had what it takes, like, are you good enough to take on my brand, to be in my immediate entourage, they would say, follow me. And that person understood, man, he sees me as a somebody. He's going to mentor me in a very close relationship I made it. I made the cut. I made the team. I made his team. That's the coach that says, hey, I want you to play for me. Okay, so there's a, that's a big deal. So Jesus sees this tax collector, and you need to understand that in those days and times, tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors worked for the Roman government, the hated, vile Roman government, the soldiers, the, the oppressor, the man. Jews hated tax collectors. And then there were the group of people that were just called sinners. Like they don't have a name, they don't have a career. They don't—they're just sinners. Ugh. And and Jesus walks up and he tells Levi, who would go on to write the book of Matthew, "Follow me, you." You have what it takes. So, I mean, think about how controversial that is. He walks up to a nobody and says, "Hey, you have what it takes." This is the Son of God walks up to a nobody and says, "You, you who all the religious elite have written off, you, you have what it takes. Come and follow me. Take on my brand. Be in my entourage. Be associated with me. Join with my reputation. Let my reputation join with you." Now, then, there's the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the antagonists of Scripture. These are the clergy. Hate to say it, but th- those, were, those were the clergy. And, and so um, to, to, to best appreciate their role, maybe think back to people in your life. Like it is like I not saying that this, this is not like a blanket private school statement, but I've talked to some of you who were raised in certain private schools, and there were like nuns with with evil rulers. And you, you know, your eye starts twitching when you you start to think about the nuns with the rulers. As you've told me. That they, that they spoke into you some, some very devastating things and, and have, they did its damage. Maybe others of you had parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or family members who spoke things into your life, who represented like that spiritual elite that you could never live up to. And they looked down on you and you knew it. Everybody can get a clear view of the Pharisees. And the scribes, the self righteous, the better than ever, the judgmental. The problem is we often don't put ourselves like, like even even the most judgmental of Christians can read these passages and they have their idea of who the Pharisees are. They don't see themselves in that. If we want to really do the exercise, then you have to think about the implications here because Jesus is having dinner with people and they just are like, "Oh, how Jesus? How can you know?" Oh, so maybe. For you, it's it may, depending on what's your background. Is it is it Jesus having dinner with Donald Trump? Is it Jesus having dinner with Hillary Clinton? Is it Jesus having dinner with the marketing team that gave us the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials? <laughs> Who is Jesus having dinner with? And you're like, oh no, not. Because we all have those people groups, right? That it's like, oh, but they did. Don't you know where they were? What they did? What they stand for? What they posted? Oh, no. I mean, we can flip into Pharisee mode pretty quick. But what I want you to see from this is Jesus is spending time with people that the rest of the world had written off and labeled as sinners, tax collectors, untouchables, nasty. They had lost sight. Of their value. Jesus never lost sight of the inherent value of the human being. And this is a truth. He sees through every moral failure and every label, and to the person that he formed in the womb. And this is true throughout all of Scripture. It's a thread that weaves through all of Scripture, through the Old Testament, and on in, especially through the life of Jesus. God never loses sight of your value, even if you've lost sight of your own value. John chapter 10, another example. Makes it a little more real, I think. Um, you should read John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, take one of the Bibles in front of you in the pew or, or you can always use a smartphone, um, go to Bible Gateway uh, or, or um, um, look, look up YouVersion in the App Store and download that Bible program. It's a great Bible program and then find a version. Some of you are brand new to this whole thing. There are all kinds of versions of the Bible um, and the NIV, the New International Version or the NLT are very, very readable. Um, if, you, if you have no Bible background, I would start with the NIV or the NLT version, or just take one of the ones in front of you and start with that. But, but promise me this week that you'll find time to read John chapter 10, an amazing passage that has to do with what we're talking about today. So here we go John chapter 10, and I'm going to start in verse 7. Uh, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you. Now, it's interesting. Jesus is again talking to the Pharisees, his antagonists, that you're better than everybody else, okay? And he's going to call them thieves. He's, calling, he's telling the Pharisees, you know what? You guys steal from people. He says, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. He's calling himself, this pastor where he says it's very famous, I am the good shepherd. He also says, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Pharisees had tried to gather the Israelites as sheep and rule over them. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, will be made whole, will be made complete. They will come in and go out and find pasture, peace, fulfillment. The thief comes, Only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That they may experience the fullness of who they are. That's why Jesus says he has come. Others are thieves. The Pharisees, the people who label people as sinners. Because what they've stolen from them is their identity. Jesus says there are thieves in this world at work trying to steal your identity. So what I want you to do is take a good long look this morning and maybe throughout this week and think through your life. Who were the thieves? What voices in your life represented the thieves in the Bible? Who told you that you weren't good enough, that you weren't worth it? That unless you did this or unless you stopped doing that, you weren't valuable. Maybe it was parents. I talked to a lot of you who have deep, painful parent stuff. Because your parents didn't give you the foundation of value and worth just because you were God's creation. Maybe there were peers or teachers who said things to you that robbed you. They were thieves. They robbed you of what God sees in you. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you live with enough regret from things that you've done that you've told yourself. Like your inner voice says you're not worth it because you're just that. Or because you did that. Jesus says there are thieves out there trying to kill and steal and destroy your value. But he has come to give you life. So that you can have a full understanding of. That God never stopped seeing what he was doing in the womb when he was forming you. He never loses sight of your value no matter what. The Gospels, the book of Isaiah, the Bible, woven full of example after example after example after example of God looking at you and saying, yeah, I know what you did. I know what they said. I will never lose sight of your value. Ever, ever, ever. Now, we're gonna, I want to take a, a push pause here for a minute, and we're going to sing this this song. I'm, you can just kind of take it in while, while Marcus and the band uh, sings this song for you. This, for me, is a go-to. Like, this is a song that I recalibrate around when I'm overwhelmed by, like, negativity, when I think about past voices, when I lose sight of who I am, or just, because let's face it, there's just... We are, we are in an environment right now, especially as we got through a season of elections of just negativity, where there's this like addiction to outrage, where it's, it's in comments, it's on Facebook, it's in news comments, it's on, on, on TV. It's just like hitting people hard. I, w- I read this blog the other day. This guy was saying, um, like, you should never use two spaces after a period at the end of a sentence unless you're on a typewriter. Okay, Like word processor, don't use two spaces. Use one space um, because that's a thing. And, and, but it wasn't just like, hey, I want you to know this. It was like, and if you do, you are the most deplorable idiot that God has ever created. I mean, it was like this outrage. Like he was hitting hard. I got done, I'm like, oh, man, I'm stupid. <laughs> I think I do that sometimes. But it's like all over, and then what do we do? We, we jump in. We either get beat down or we pile on. And this is a song that resets me. And I'm reminded, you know what? No, God never loses sight of my value. He never loses sight of their value. There is, in as much negativity as there is in the world God has so many good things that he created that can be appreciated, including us. So just kind of soak that in for a minute here. <coughs> Let me go speed round here. I want to, just a few more minutes here to finish this up, um, and then we'll take communion together. Um, I like that song for me, and I hope that you find some things um, that, that can reset around, because we need constant reminders of who we are, right? Uh, it's just easy to lose sight of that. That's by, by a band, uh, David Crowder. If you go to like iTunes or whatever, you're, you know, um, Spotify or whatever, David Crowder and then everything glorious. And just like for me, there are times where I just go for a walk and, and remind myself of, of the good things that God has going. Um, uh, so, so find things like that. I want to read to you from, from um, wrap this up by reading from um, Luke chapter 15. So when I said read John chapter 10, I hope that you'll also read Luke chapter 15, because it's just an incredible passage that reminds us of our, of our inherent value. So I'm going to read it, and then we'll, so, so it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law, so here we are again, same crowd, tax collectors and sinners, they flock to Jesus, they seem to be... Uh, very interested in everything that Jesus has to say, and then there's the Pharisees, there's the religious leaders, the the self righteous that can't stand that that Jesus is is interacting with with these people, and um and so the the, the the religious leaders they're muttering, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable: Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. a whole other half an hour talking about that one thing, not going to do it, but basically, what I want you to see is this Jesus says that there are lost sheep out there who are far from God, and Jesus goes to find them, and when he does, he doesn't beat them, shame them for leaving, puts them on his shoulders, and he has a party. That's the model because he never loses value of the sheep. Some of you may find yourself right now like far from God and you know, man, I'm, I've been to some pretty bad places and I'm, but you're here. And I want you to see that and realize that Jesus says time and again, he never loses sight of your value. Now, as a model, maybe it would be better if followers of Jesus would have this model and we do what we can to show people Jesus. And then let Jesus lead them, be the shepherd that leads them where they need to go. And instead of being this voice of negativity and judgment, and, and you know, here's what you're doing wrong, and, and, and fix this, and, and maybe if we just show people Jesus, and let him guide people, because Jesus isn't going to say, okay, I love you, you have value, now just keep living however, I mean, he's going to say, he's going to point us to things that we're ready to fix because we see that life to the full means a certain set of things. and And then, but, but that's his job. It's our job to realize our own value. And some of you might be at a place where you just need to realize your own value and that God hasn't lost sight of it, but then also to treat other people like we see their value like they haven't lost their value, and to show them the Jesus who hasn't... We want them to see Jesus, not Pharisees. All right. I want to close with communion because there's no greater symbolism of all of this in my mind that we do today. So here, here's what we do. As a church, if you're new to Polaris, we take communion every Sunday, um, and, and here's why. In, in the New Testament, Jesus spent one final evening with his disciples before he was crucified and then later raised, um, and uh, he said, I want you to take a piece of bread and remember my body that's going to be broken on the cross for you. And then take some, uh, we, we used juice, but it was either wine or juice. It's debatable what it was, but, but take this wine, take this juice, and remember my blood that was shed on the cross. For your forgiveness, because the Bible tells us that Jesus loved you and saw your value to such a degree that rather than like demand a lot of you to be right with God, he paid the death penalty for you. And so he said, I want you to sit at the table, I want you to take these things and remember that you have tremendous value in the person to your right and the person to your left, tremendous value, so much so that Jesus died for us. And we're all at this table, none of us because somehow we like belong there because we've done something or lived a certain way, we're here because God sees value in us and because he paid the price for us to be there. And so just like that song kind of resets my heart, let this kind of reset us to remember that Jesus loves us, he sees our value, he went to the cross for us, and he went to the cross for all of us, so we're all here together as a family, totally not belonging here, totally at the mercy of Jesus and and benefiting from his grace. So if you want to be a part of this, great. Um, you Just take bread and, and, and juice as it's passed. Or if not, if you're not comfortable with that, that's totally fine. Just help us by passing the tray down the road. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. The scripture says that your word goes out and corrects us. It changes us. And right now, as we look to your word, I pray that that it would do its work, that you would use your word to change our hearts so that we would never lose sight of our value or the value of others. And and right now, our hearts are are focused in on that as we sit at your table, um, thankful for Jesus, thankful for his sacrifice, and, and we acknowledge to you that we are nothing and we are nowhere apart from your grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.